Hey there, this is Barbara Vera Murray from Say Brother Radio, Lady B, coming to you from BNN TV, Channel 23 and WBCA, 102.9 FM on your radio dial. Uh, it's great to be with you. I'm continuing my series on the 100th birthday of Elma Lewis. Uh, I want to introduce my guest today from the Elma Lewis Legacy Circle. First, we have Sandy Bagley. Uh, former principal of the Elma Lewis School of Fine Arts. Sandy, say hello. Hello, everyone. It's great to be here. It's great to have you. And next we have Larry Blumsack. Larry used to be with the National Center of Afro-American Artists. And say hello, Larry. Hello, everyone. So what I'd like for you all to do is we had a wonderful celebration of Elma Lewis's birthday on the 15th of September. 100th birthday. Uh, I became a little emotional at it. I didn't even expect that, but sometimes things happen when your heart is invested. I wanted to talk to those who knew Elma Lewis and introduce that whole lifestyle to those who don't know Elma Lewis and what she brought to the community. The first thing I'd like to do though is familiarize our guests, our viewers and our listeners our audience to who Sandy and Larry are. Sandy, would you first tell us about your participation at the National Center in Elma Lewis School of Fine Arts? Okay, I came to the Elma Lewis School in 1980, um, brand new from New York, because I always say new, totally new to Boston, totally new to Massachusetts, really didn't know but one person here who lives in Cambridge. And I came up with my three-year-old daughter. My husband was already here. He was working. So you can just imagine how um, isolated, different this all was to me. Um, and I met Elma Lewis very, I met Black Elma Lewis through Black Nativity early on. Mm -hmm. I got here in October by December, Miss Lewis had me to see many, many performances of Black Nativity. <laughs> and we would talk before and after, and my husband and my, my daughter came uh, to every performance with me. And she encouraged it. And I, I guess I learned from that experience what Miss Lewis is truly about. She is about family. She is about community, which is a, just a larger family to her. And she is about the arts. She's about culture. And she's about each person, each person, no matter who they are, standing tall within themselves and, um, and finding that standing tall within themselves and knowing what that is um, and then giving it over to her so she can help you to grow and fulfill yourself. Um, yes, now what, what did you do in that dream? In that dream, uh, what did I do? I listened to Ms. Lewis a lot in that dream. <laughs> um, I was the- What was your job? My job was the principal of the Elma Lewis School, which was, I have to say, um, was a role that was evolving. Ms. Lewis started the school in the 50s. Um, she developed it and now we're in the 80s. Um, 
this was a position that was brand new uh, for for the whole for the school, and um, it was a position brand new to me because I was a principal of an academic school now, that had a a heavy arts um, a heavy arts component because we were part of the Henry Street School in New mm -hmm. York, which had Woody King at the theater and. If I'm going to stop you right there for a minute, come back to you on that point, but I want to get over to Larry really quickly. Larry, tell us what you did at the National Center and Omalua School of Fine Arts. <laughs> what didn't I do? Anyway, I me, what was your job? Let me go back to uh, was it 1964 or 1965. Uh, I was in the faculty of Northeastern University, and I got a call from Cape Run Lighting, some of the faculty said, some lady that wants to put a playhouse in the park like Joe Pack did in Central Park in New York. Are you interested? I said, okay, I'll go over and I'll meet her. And so the Elma Lewis School at that time was in an old WPA building on Charlotte Street. <clears throat> and I grew up in, in Roxbury and Dorchester, so I knew where it was. I went over there. And uh, as I said the other night, up in front uh, against the wall of about seven black guys shooting craps. And I went in and at the end of the long hall, there's a very short, very wide woman sitting there, Elma Lewis. That was my first meeting with Elma. She says, I want to put a playhouse in the park. Can you help me? I said, well, where in the park? So she said something about the old, uh, the old police station. I grew up across the street from the park, and I remember it well because I played in there as a kid. So we drove over there. I took a look. It was filled with trash and garbage and rubbish and, and bramble bushes and everything else. And I said, well, when do you want to do this show? The Midsummer's Night Dream. She says, a week from now. Oh, it's very typical. <laughs> a week from now. Okay. I chuckled. We did it, by the way. And we had headed back. And I said to her, you know, I said, what kind of funds do you have so we can do this? She says, oh, I don't have any money. She said, maybe you can find an answer for us. I said, whoops. All right. So I said, I need to think about this. <clears throat> I'm walking out. And one of the side offices, because in the front studio, Tally Beatty's teaching a Midsummer Night Dream. In the next studio, George Howard's teaching primitive dance. And as I'm walking out, a white woman comes out of one of the offices and says, hi, you're Larry Blumsack. I said, yeah. I said, I'm your cousin, Florence Castleman. I said, okay. I've known Elma my whole life. Let me tell you about her. She told me about Elma Lewis. I turned around and went back and said, okay, let's figure out how we're going to do this. Um, I said, what am I going to use for a crew? And uh, she said, how about the guys out front? I said, you're kidding me. She walked out front and said to the guys playing dice, you see this man, you're going to work for him for the next week. You're not going to get paid, and you're going to do what he tells you to do. That was my introduction to the force, the style, and the drive of Elma Lewis. And, you know, since then, uh, oh, it's been good many years now, um, we became... So let me short circuit you. Let me ask you, what did you end up doing as an employee of the National Center of Afro-American Artists? You want the list? Okay. The first thing I was is I was co-director of theater. Second thing I was, I was in charge of talent management and booking for all the performing companies. The third thing I did is I was the director of public relations and publicity. Uh, the fourth thing I did was do a lot of fundraising for the school. Fifth thing I did was I instituted the program that became a national model in Norfolk Prison. I can go on and on, but that'll give you a taste of what I did. 
I thought you ran publicity and marketing at, at a point, did you? That was, I said, public relations and marketing, PR. Yeah, that seems to take a lot of your time. I remember when I came to work there for a while, um, I thought that's what you were doing. Seemed like you were doing a million things, but that was one of the primary things that I thought that you did. Everybody had several hats. So, you know, our basic goal was to really make sure that we supported the dream that Elma Lewis had. Um, thank you for those bits of contrib contribution about your history. Um, Sandy, I want to go back to you for a moment. And I wanted you to pick up where you were as a principal at the school and tell us what were your primary objectives that Ms. Lewis wanted you to address? And, and tell us the difference between administration and the creative part of being a creative principal. Um, that's the easier part. <laughs> what Ms. Lewis wanted me to do, uh, and I will say this again, I was the first principal, I was the last principal. I was the only principal. And so it was trying to define what that word meant in the context of the Elma Lewis School, which had a, a very long history and was, and ran uh, in terms of a principal by any definition coming in to look at a school, it ran very well. You had order, you had classes, you had a schedule, you had a very engaged faculty. I would say a very protective faculty. Each person over there, their um, own areas. Um, you had supervisors, um, arts, you know, in each discipline. Um, I think, and if you think about the 1980s in terms of education, what Ms. Lewis had developed uh, along with the staff was this, um, I guess, integrated approach to learning. Um, each one, students had their own curriculum in each discipline, but the disciplines all came together. Um, and so if you were doing something in art, you could understand um, how that would apply to theater because you learned about sets and settings and all of that. If you were in dance, it was the same thing. So there was a collaboration between the disciplines. Um, and that is the part that brings it to a performing arts school because all the disciplines were drawn on with every performance that was done. So if it was dance, you would be using music and art and et cetera. Um, if it was theater piece, all the disciplines would be used. And so for children, that became very important because they could make that transference into their academics. You know, they and, and teachers were very good at pulling out because they did their homework in school. They did their homework there also. That was one of the requirements to do their homework. Um, so if a child wasn't learning, it was doing math, they could help that child understand the math better by just using another discipline to help them to do that. And so what I'd like to open to that. What I'd like to do is 
transition now up to today. Today we have just celebrated the 100th birthday of Elma Lewis, uh, September 15th. That was an opportunity for the Elma Lewis Legacy Circle, which is a group of us that meet around the life and goals of Elma Lewis for the National Center of African-American Artists, as well as the Elma Lewis School. And that is based under the umbrella of the Elma Lewis Center, which is part of Emerson. And so what I would like to do is share with our viewers and listeners as to what kind of an event that was and where do you think that can take us for the future? Um, Larry, let's go back to you for a moment. Can you tell me what you thought about that celebration on the 15th of September and how did you feel personally? Well, I thought it was great. It's interesting to hear from people on the different, uh, the impact that Elma Lewis had on different lives, depending on what your relationship was to her. Uh, I look at Francis Burnett, who's known Elma for 80 years, and the relationship there. Uh, I'm looking at Barry Jacob, who's been, you know, a key part of the National Center for a good many years. And so it's a question of trying to get a scope of the breadth and depth of this woman and her legacy. And it was very clear. I mean, if I think about her legacy, back when I started working with her in 1964 or 65, whatever year it was, uh, it was that Black Lives Matter. And that hasn't really changed today. And finally, people are slowly waking up to that. She made a lot of inroads for a lot of people in a lot of different industries that people aren't aware of. Uh, I think, you, Barbara, you might be, and a lot of Black people in the media are thankful for Elma Lewis for the work she did with The Globe, WNAC-TV, and everything else making room for black people to be part of the part of the news part of the reporting team part of the broadcasting team i look at work she did to make it possible for black contractors to get a type of license that allowed them to put up and erect steel and do build buildings these are little pieces of her that a lot of people don't know about and so we started getting some sense of that some scope of that and i can tell you um it's made a huge difference in my life I mean, I'll repeat it again. I was adopted into a black family. You know, here I was, Larry Blumsack, a member of a black family, and I never, ever, in all the years, what, 50, 60 years, felt that I was anything other than part of that family. Mm -hmm, that's right. That's right. I remember that very vividly. Um, now, that actual day that we celebrated Miss Lewis's birthday was one that I don't think I'll ever forget. I I am Jehovah's Witness by faith, but we don't celebrate birthdays. And so I was conflicted the whole time. But listening, like you said, listening to each person's involvement and participation in the Elma Lewis School or, and or the National Center of Afro-American Artists became so impactful in my life. And it was an opportunity that I was glad that I gave myself to participate uh, because it was very rich. And I hope that the listeners and viewers will tune into that. They can get it in the archives, I believe. Sandy, is that true? Can they, can they see that event? They will be able to see it shortly. Yeah, they'll be able to see it. And yeah, if they, they want to, and do you know if they want to see, every month we're going to celebrate another celebration. Right. So how can they see that? Do you know? 
Yes, and I, um, they can see it by, um, I can pull it up. They can see it by being in touch with um, the Elma Lewis Center for Civic Engagement at Emerson um, or by contacting Black Nativity or the National Center and we will send that out. So that's um, Emerson, the Center for Civic Engagement, the Elma Lewis Center for Civic Engagement at Emerson. Um, and the director is Tam Mareko or the National Center for Afroamericanartists.org or blacknativity.org. Or Facebook. Facebook, yeah. It is on Facebook. Thank you. Yeah. And I have a telephone number for Tam Marco, um, which is 617-824-8526. So if all of that technology gets to be a bit much and you just want to figure out where you need to go and what you want to see, Tam Marco, who's the director of the Elma Lewis Center, told me that the public can call her. So that's her direct number. And you can call her so that you can participate in this. You also can uh, use that, use those links that Sandy was giving you to inform Tam of whether or not you'd like to be, if you'd like to host one of the events every month that we have. It's called a round table. Kitchen table. Is it Kitchen table. <laughs> table and so and what we're going to i'm going to do one on dance uh, and uh as that was my first life and it's definitely my first love and uh that's what i that's how i came to elma lewis as a young dancer so a young student who became a dancer so uh we're going to one I, i'm not sure what month they're going to assign me but i'm going to work with Ms. Lewis used to have students called big girls and little girls or big kids and little kids. And there was a woman who was a big kid to me at that point in my life who started a school, a prima ballerina, uh, Angie Bowen Peters. And Angie Bowen Peters has had a school in Hartford, Connecticut. And uh, she was able to create people and taught dance, Russian ballet, exactly the way Ms. Lewis taught it. And so her school was like that. And she had a student who also is now an adult who lives in Detroit, who is doing the exact same thing. And so they're going to do what's called a lectem for us, a lecture demonstration. They're going to stand in the room. They're going to give us probably some basic bar work and some small floor work. And we're going to have a conversation at the kitchen table about that life and how they were impacted and what she hopes for these young people today. Um, now, I wanna go back to the actual event in terms of what kinds of things we saw and what kinds of things we'd like to share with the viewers and listeners. Uh, Larry, could you pick a piece? Could you pick a moment that you would like to share with them? Take a moment. Okay. Was, there's so many of them, it's very hard to shift back to all of that. Pick <laughs> determine, one. determine one. 
I think a key moment is when uh, Frances Burnett came on and her daughter uh, was able to get into her hospital room and have Frances talk about her relationship with Elma, which goes back 80 years. Right. Uh, and to me, that was very key and very- They were like sisters. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I knew Frances. And A, it was great to see her, and B, really glad that she made it on, because I thought it was an important right. part of what we were doing, that Frances was, in fact, there. Right. That's excellent. That's excellent. I was also uh, impressed when Sarah Ann Shaw, the first Black reporter to the city of Boston, actually, in the city of Boston, uh, came on as one of Miss Lewis's young, young, young students and had been a friend of Elma Lewis's throughout her entire life, uh, came on and said some very touching things and important things about Miss Lewis. So I want the viewers and listeners to of Say Brother Radio to reach back and reach out to Tam Marco or to talk to, uh, or to pull up those links that we talked about earlier that we would love for you to see that whole event. It was a very special, I guess it was an hour and a half, two hours. Um, look at the parts of it you like, replay the parts you like, um, and you learn a lot about the impact that Elma Lewis had on our lives. And I want you also to participate in the events that we're going to have monthly. There'll be you know, every discipline. You also participate right off the bat because there is a link there for you to leave a digital comment. That's right. Yeah, so you can video and make a comment and be permanent part of the whole thing, so. That's perfect, that's perfect. So uh, viewers and listeners, you heard what Larry said, you can make a comment of your own. Uh, if you have something you want to say about your experience with the Elm Lewis School or National Center of Afro-American Artists, or your experience and time in Boston and what we were doing and what you were doing uh, when we were living that life. And I would like to hear from people who would like to have that revisited back in Boston. Again, we have a very rich cultural community and I think that we should take advantage of it. Um, one of the things that we can do is we can support the Museum of the National Center of Afro-American Artists and what, Le what Barry Gaither is doing at that museum. We can go and visit there, 300 Walnut Avenue in Roxbury uh, and see what's going on there. It's a very beautiful museum, uh, an adjunct to the Museum of Fine Arts. And uh, it's something that you might enjoy uh, getting a way of getting involved with the National Center of Afro-American Artists. Uh, I'm not supposed to give you directives, so I guess I shouldn't, if you choose to. If you choose to go there, I would recommend it. <laughs> I would highly recommend it. Uh, you know, I'd like to say one thing, Barbara. Of course, um, Right now, this is very exciting. They're closed, but they are doing some activities um, outside of the building. The thing that's so exciting is after all of these years and all the work uh, that Barry's put into the museum, physical yes. labor, they are now uh, under a, um, uh, they're, they're having construction done on the building. Okay. So 
yeah, it's a huge project. I don't know the timetable really, but if you check back with um, the website, you'll be able to see when it'll be open and um, what the programs are right now. And now, we'll make sure that just the National Center of Af the the Museum of the National Center of okay. Afro American Artists or okay. the National Center, which is nctaa.org. Okay, we're down to our last two minutes. So, Sandy, since you're up already, I'd like you to make one comment, and then I'm going to switch it over to Larry. Okay, just one comment. I'm going to split it in half really quick. The one comment about the 15th, Miss Lewis's birthday, that I took away was all of the people who were not in the room and to find a place for them to come in. So I'm delighted that we have all these six weeks. There's so many people in Boston who have been touched by Miss Lewis in one way or another and are very much the fabric of Boston. Um, and we'd love to have them to come in to say whatever it is they like to say. And yes. then secondly, I'd like you to look for Black Nativity, which was one of her productions that has gone on for the last 50 years. It'll be up in December. Yes. Okay. Thank you. And Larry. Well, I can remember the first production of Black Nativity we did at the auditorium. Right. <laughs> on Elmville Avenue. You may remember very well and kind of tracked with it through the years. I think the important thing is to understand the impact that she had broadly across the community in the city of Boston, the state of Massachusetts, and internationally, because she was an international figure, often sought for, in, for information on how to make sure Black Lives Matter, whether it was here or whether it was in Africa or anywhere else, because that was a constant stream of visitors and subject matter coming through the door on Elm Hill Avenue for so many years. And I can okay. That's it. Okay. Thank you. All right. Thank you. So, uh, Safer Other Radio listeners and viewers, what we'd like you to do is to inquire more about hosting one of our monthly kitchen table conversations, Elma Lewis underscore living stories at emerson.edu, or we can call her at 617-824-8526. Uh, thank you for watching Safer Brother Radio. Larry and Sandy, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Um, thanks again and good night. Good night. Good night.